Good morning, and welcome to SGL Daily. This is Lisa Bond, and today we're going to look at the end of Acts chapter 4. So let's start reading at verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak of the word of God with boldness. This is the word of the Lord. Can you imagine being put in custody for preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ, healing and proclaiming that his name is the only name by which we must be saved, and then being threatened and warned to no longer speak of him? Can you imagine that this prayer that we just read would come out of that? Look at it. It's not a fix-it kind of prayer. It's not a get-me-out-of-this prayer. In fact, they clearly asked to be able to continue to preach and heal that signs and wonders would continue in Jesus' name, fully aware of what it might cost them personally. It's a reality prayer based on Psalm 2, which is quoted here, that people around us will not be very accommodating to the truth of the gospel. They don't want to live under God's authority because they have a better way. They set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, as we just read. Peter and John and the early believers swam in these perilous waters, and we do too. One time I was listening to a very famous personality who said, there couldn't possibly be just one way with all the millions of people in the world. And she also said, well, the God I serve, dot, dot, dot. In other words, listen up, because I'm going to define for you what a palatable God looks like. And if he doesn't measure up, well, then I guess I'll just keep looking because it's clear to me the truth is going to be found inside me. I refuse to live under any authority, not God, not my pastors. I mean, who are you to tell me what to do? Whenever we're tempted to redefine God's word to suit our tastes, let's remember what A.W. Tozer wrote. Quote, let us start reading our Bibles with a thought that God means exactly what he says. As a human race, arrogance is our middle name. And do you know God's response? He's not up there pacing back and forth wondering what he can do to get us to follow him. Psalm 2 says that he laughs. He laughs at our misguided and dangerous understanding, or rather lack of understanding, of who he is. It's like what some do today to attract people to church. Slick presentations and fabulous entertaining worship services and relevant messages. It's called solutionism. 
They're not coming to church, so let's give them what they want. But as Mark Sayers writes, solutionism is ultimately a belief in novelty and a lack of patience and faith. Solutionism is instant gratification. What if the answer is what it has always been? The path of walking in Jesus' footsteps, of following the traditions and teaching of the apostles, what if the answer to our culture's challenges is still the gospel? These early believers felt the pressure of the powerful voices around them who didn't want this Jesus to rule over them. But no way were these followers of Christ going to capitulate to the movers and shakers of the day and carry the contemporary currency of cool, as Sayers writes. But they knew how to pray. They knew the scriptures. When they prayed, God's word came out. The Holy Spirit had come upon them, and they were now able to look at the Old Testament that they had so diligently studied all their lives and see Jesus Christ all the way through. And when they prayed, the Spirit brought to mind truths from the Word of God, like Psalm 2. We can learn much not only from the boldness of these early Christians, but from their commitment to knowing God's Word. If we think that we can ground our lives on anything else, we and those whose lives we touch will be impoverished by it. Let's consider how we can spend our days saturated in the Word of God and in prayer. I have a feeling that we're going to need it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the privilege of carrying the gospel message. Give us boldness and give us your word and change our affections and root them in truth. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.